Recently, the FDA issued a public health advisory stating that questions have been raised about the safety of over-the-counter cold medication and whether the benefits justify any potential risks from the use of these products in kids, especially kids under two. What are the benefits and risks of over-the-counter cold medications? Should we be reevaluating the use of these medications? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Ron Turner, professor in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. Dr. Turner is a respiratory disease expert and has done extensive research on traditional and natural cold remedies. Dr. Turner, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. How has the common cold changed? And uh, has it changed in the last 10, 20 years? Well, I don't think the common cold has changed much. There may be some changes in the way that we are approaching it and talking about treating it, but I don't think the cold itself has changed. Why is it that people still go to the doctor when they have a cold? I'm always amazed when they come to me and they say, I have a cold. I'm like, okay, so um, what what would you like me to do for it? I mean, do they actually think that there's a, a cure out there? I don't think so. I think most people must realize that there's no cure for the common cold. And I suspect that most people, when they see a physician for common cold symptoms, are concerned that it may be something else. I think certainly in pediatrics, that's the case, that whenever a child's brought in for common cold symptoms, the parents are concerned that this could be an ear infection or associated with an ear infection or that it could be a sinusitis or something like that. So I think that in general, people are trying to reassure themselves that it is just a common cold uh, in many cases. So that's really what they should come in saying. Uh, Doctor, please reassure me that I just have a cold and it's not pneumonia, it's not sinusitis, it's not, uh, it's not a tumor. That, that's correct. I'm not sure that, that you'll hear that. And I think most of them would rather be told they have sinusitis so they can walk out with a prescription. But, but you and I both know even if they have a sinus infection, it's most likely viral. That's correct. Let's talk about all the products that are out there. What, what's the uh, bread and butter in terms of making up cold medicines? What do you see? Well, I think that the traditional pharmacologic remedies are limited to just a handful of things. Obviously, the antiparetic analgesic painkillers are frequently included in common cold remedies, and that has some validity. In common colds, the sore throat can occasionally be a bothersome symptom, and so analgesic remedies for that Headache occasionally is associated with common colds, and and so analgesics for that are reasonable. The second class of agents that's usually included in in most discussions of common cold therapies are the decongestants. Uh, These come in in two forms. One is the topical decongestants, the oxymetazolines, xylometazoline compounds that are long-acting nasal decongestants. There are also oral decongestants. Pseudoephedrine is the one that's uh, most commonly used now. We used to use phenylephrine, but that's been removed from all of these products. And so those are available. The antihistamines are available and are included uh, frequently for treatment of runny nose and sneezing associated with the common cold. And so I think those are the things that are really kind of the mainstays of of the treatments. I guess the other thing we should mention are the cough remedies that are frequently included. Almost all common cold medications that you buy as liquids in the store have guaifenesin in them as an expectorant. And dextromethorphan is included in a lot of these remedies as a cough suppressant. I'm glad you brought up guaifenesin. I've never in my career seen a study looking at if guaifenesin works, how it works, 
but it's in every product, and there are people making billions of dollars off guaifenesin. And I was wondering if you could shed some light on guaifenesin, the the enigma. Well, there actually was a study. Uh, It was done many years ago while I was a fellow, actually, in my training, and it was done here at the University of Virginia by Dr. Gwaltney. And they actually took volunteers who uh, had natural colds associated with cough, and they put them into hotel rooms and recorded the coughs on a standard, old-fashioned, reel-to-reel tape recorder. And then they had a mechanism by which they could run those reels and count the coughs. And so they actually did, as their endpoint in the study, they did actual cough counts, and they also had an endpoint which was subjective relief from cough uh, or subjective symptom score for cough uh, by the volunteer. And they showed very nicely that there was absolutely no effect of the (laughs) (laughs) quiafinescence. I was I was waiting for the punchline. Yeah, I thought I thought you were going to say it no really effect. worked. No, no, absolutely no effect. And that's the one study that you're aware of. That's the one study I'm aware of. And so, fast forward 20 years later, guaifenesin is as popular as ever. That's right. I think unbelievable. Uh, it's it's on a monograph at the FDA so that people can use it without too much discussion, and uh, so it gets thrown into every every preparation. You know, is there any evidence based research out there showing that? Uh, anything's really working in terms of shortening duration or, you know, is it all just this subjective stuff that people feel a little better when they take a little Sudafed and uh, Benadryl? The answer to the question is actually twofold. Yes, there are studies that look at objective measures. So, for instance, with the antihistamines, uh, there are studies that show reductions in nasal secretion weight, for instance, the amount of secretions that you put out over the course of your cold. And those reductions in those objective measures are associated with subjective measures of improvement. So uh, I do believe that those are real data or, or real answers, that the antihistamines, for instance, seem to reduce the runny nose associated with a common cold by about 30%. So that's either a little or a lot, depending on uh, the situation that you happen to be in. You have to recall that, that if you take an antihistamine, that about 25% of people who take an antihistamine get a, a, a sedation associated with that that can really be fairly incapacitating. So you have to make a decision uh, whether that's the right thing for you to do. Similarly, with the oral decongestant medications, the reduction in nasal obstruction, both by subjective measures and by objective measures is in the 15% range, maybe 20% range at the most. So very modest effects of the decongestants uh, in the common cold. If you use the topical decongestants, the reduction in nasal obstruction associated with those uh, medications is about 70%. So really a a pretty reasonable uh, reduction in, in obstruction with that. So we can actually put some numbers on what the actual beneficial effects of these things are. Dr. Turner, let's move into uh, little kids. What do you think about the the recent FDA health advisory telling parents to uh, kind of uh, steer steer a little clear? Yeah, I think I think it's actually good advice, and I think that we have to be very careful. As I was uh, mentioning before, I think one of the things that we have to do with these products, given that the common cold is self limited for everybody, we have to always be weighing off the benefits, which in some cases are quite modest against the risks of using of using the medications. And in children, because the study of these medications requires, in most cases, a subjective 
uh, report by the, the volunteer subject as to whether or not they're perceiving any benefit, we really can't do that in children. And as a consequence, we don't really have any studies in children that document a beneficial effect of, of the common cold therapies. So in essence, the parents are really just treating their own anxieties and trying to do something. Well, I think that's right. Although I think, you know, anybody that's seen a child with a nasal obstruction due to a common cold that keeps them from eating or or whatever, I mean, that's clearly real. Whether you can do anything about that is less certain. And I think it's it's possible to extrapolate from adult studies in adults to, to children to say we might expect that these are beneficial. But then you also, as I say, have to play off the the potential side effects associated with that. What's the worst thing you've seen happen in your career to uh, a child by using over-the-counter cold meds? Well, I think probably the worst thing I've seen is just severe sedation associated with uh, the antihistamines. But clearly there are reports of much more medically significant effects. And I think it's important to point out that the patients who died and prompted the the FDA warning uh, were overdosed. Mm -hmm. And so these were children who were under two years of age and were given doses of medication that were appropriate for older children. So I don't think we should panic about the adverse effects of these drugs when they're used appropriately. But I do think it's appropriate to be very cautious and judicious about how how they're used and when they're used. In my experience, uh, having two little kids, the best thing that's ever been invented was the ready tab because it's the only thing that these children or my children will take and not spit out, and uh, they kind of like it. Right. So any downside from using a little ready tab? I don't think so, no. Let me just throw out a few things at you, and you can give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on whether or not they make a difference. Atrovent nasal spray. Atrovent nasal spray does have an effect on runny nose. So it's an anticholinergic and has effects on runny nose. They're probably very comparable in mechanism to the effects of the antihistamines, and the benefit is comparable to the antihistamines. So about a, a 25 to 30% reduction in runny nose. Salt water. Just uh, spraying salt water up your nose. Ocean well, spray or whatever brand yeah, you have. I think nasal sprays like that that just moisturize the nasal mucosa may be useful for helping to clear mucus and to that extent may improve nasal obstruction that's associated just with the accumulation of nasal secretions, but they obviously have no pharmacologic activity. Washing your hands. Well, washing your hands is an interesting thing. It's it's very clear. First of all, let me say I'm not opposed to washing your hands. (laughs) (laughs) It's very clear that uh, hand-to-hand transmission seems to be a very important uh, mechanism of spread of rhinovirus infections, particularly. Rhinovirus is associated with about half of all common colds, and so an important common cold pathogen. The problem, if you will, with, with hand washing is that uh, immediately after you wash your hands, then you come in contact with the virus, you're recontaminated. And so as a result of that, it's been very difficult in controlled study type settings to show that, that hand washing per se has a major effect on reducing common cold illness. But obviously, washing your hands is a good thing to do for a variety of reasons. We're coming to the end of the show. I'd like for Dr. Ron Turner to make a bold statement that will be remembered by everyone and follow you for the rest of your life. What to do for the common cold and will we ever cure the common cold? <laughs> well, I I guess uh, the first question's uh, easier than maybe than the second. The first question, I think the thing to do is to take single ingredient 
treatments, which are hard to find when you go to the drugstore, but to use single-ingredient treatments and target the ingredient to the cold symptom that's bothering you the most. Decongestants for nasal obstruction, analgesics for pain symptoms, and antihistamines for runny nose. And use them only during the peak of symptoms when you're trying to, to stop the symptoms. As far as curing the common cold, I'm not sure that we're ever going to do that. I think the common cold illness is so short, the symptoms are so relatively mild that we put a huge demand on any product that we might use to treat the common cold. It has to be safe, it has to be cheap, and it has to be remarkably effective. And I think that's going to be a very tough bill to fill. Well, Dr. Ron Turner, thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. We've been talking about remedies for the common cold. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. 